I think, put us on the map. And now all these other things that have occurred, like Evan Williams' urban experience, Mickner's coming into the old Fort Nelson building. Right, you got to save some of this for podcasts. Yeah. You're getting, you're, you're, oh, you're, you're getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean, instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Bringing to you the best stories from icons in the bourbon industry, it's Bourbon Pursuit. Now here are your hosts, Ryan and Kenny. And we're back with another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and as always, have my co-host Ryan here. How's it going today, Ryan? Doing well, Kenny. How you doing, man? Doing well. You know, this is a, a good time of the month. It's We're in the, the, the breadth of May. The, uh, the sun's starting to get a lot hotter now. And we actually got hooked up with this guest through a past guest, right? So if anyone remembers Maggie Kimberl, who is uh, uh, an editor for Louisville.com, she does a lot of bourbon articles, she said, hey, I met this really great lady, and she does a lot of stuff about preservation, about Whiskey Row. And if you're living here in Louisville, you the word Whiskey Row kind of kind of resonates because for the past 15, 20 years, you know, we've all driven by it, and it's just looked like a pile of garbage. But now it's actually – something's going on with it. Yeah, and I think in last week's episode, we were – or with Angels Envy, they were talking about, you know, building their – 
right down by Whiskey Row, and then there's quite a few distilleries moving in. Brown and Foreman, uh, well, Evan Williams is already pretty close to there. Victor's is moving in, so it, it's pretty cool to kind of yeah. Five years ago, you drive around there and you're like, "What is this cool building that looks abandoned and like bad things go on in there?" But, <laughs> yeah, it's but spray now, everywhere. But now there's construction crews there, and you're you can feel the energy and excitement, you know, just to see it all come together. Yeah. So so let's go ahead and introduce our guest. Since this is since I got it in the email here, this is May is Preservation Month. You know, I guess I guess you can make a month for anything, but I mean today is Preservation, or should I say, this month is Preservation Month for the City of Louisville. And today we have Marion Zucker, right? Say it right. So yes. Marion Zucker, who is the executive executive director of Preservation Louisville. So Marion, thank you very much for being on the show today. Absolutely, I'm excited. Good. So let's kind of get it started. You know, tell us uh, before we even dive into like your job and what is Whiskey Road. Tell us about your history with bourbon. Like, where'd you really get into bourbon, and how did you really start yeah. loving it? What was that first bottle? Oh wow! Like, <laughs> Gosh, actually, no one has ever asked me that, but I am in a love affair with bourbon. And let me tell you really where it comes from. I am a pastor's daughter and grew up on communion wine, which is not very good. Okay. But uh, definitely was around that growing up and didn't have much taste. For all, I was a good pastor's daughter. Um, but once you go to college and you get introduced to the plethora of alcohols that are available, I quickly figured out that my palate was focused in one area. And literally within one sip of peach schnapps, I was like, never again. <laughs> um, I found, we all said the same thing about pure grain too, right? Yeah. See, again, I, I've tried it all. And uh, at the end of the day, it is that beautiful golden brown liqueur that I enjoy bourbon. So now that I've found it, I really will not go elsewhere ever again. And now it's been, you know, let's say a while that, that we've been hooked up, me and bourbon. So I really like it in its purest form. Um, if I have to have an additive, I may add a rock or two. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I am probably what you would refer to as one of those uh, beer, bourbon purists. Yep. Know. Good deal. So, uh, you know, we were tell- before we came on and started recording, you were telling us a story about how you bring bourbon to all your friends in Ohio and all stuff. But before we get to that, though, uh, talk about what your role is as executive director here. Well, I am the founding director of Preservation Mobile. So it's a funny story that I had graduated with my third degree from IU and within a few days had gotten a phone call from the Brennan House Historic Home that they were without a director and they needed someone to help them with some events. That was something that I knew I could do. So I ended up here and they were searching for a new mission a way to take a failing house museum that really wasn't making it in tourism and how can they make it into something new? And at the time I thought, well, preservation seems like a great answer. And the city of Louisville has close to 30,000 old buildings in it. So seems like having an advocate for that or a resource, a place for people to turn to, to talk about preservation made a lot of sense. It sounds like it's one of those industries like, like, it's like going into the hair industry. Like people are going to keep growing hair, right? So it's always going to be in business. <laughs> I try to tell people my job is never done. You know, so if I went into it thinking I have a goal and I'm going to reach it, and then then we're moving on, I wouldn't I wouldn't be insane because it's really a consistent marathon. So I am constantly pacing myself because every day another building is getting older past that 
50 year mark. And because that's what technically they say being historic is. Just Maybe the United States. Ago. I think some people in London would probably disagree with this, what the word historic <laughs> yeah. means. But. Exactly. We, we have a different timetable. Things across the pond are a little bit older in general. But I thought I've got to figure out a way to kind of be more sustainable in this race because you've got to pace yourself through this marathon. So, Did you study history in college or were you a big history buff growing up? Or Absolutely not. <laughs> and I would say that that <clears throat> has worked to my favor. There are a lot of people that work across this country in preservation, and they do a lot of very good work, and they've been trained very specifically in preservation trades and arts. I, however, um, am a classically trained opera singer. I went to school oh, wow. at Youth Performing Arts School here locally in Louisville. Um, we won't on. ask you to prove it. Well, maybe we will at the end. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but as I say, it is kind of what I do, so I, I'll never pass up that opportunity. But in moving through my educational career, I knew that I wasn't necessarily going to be rich and famous as a singer. So I ended up getting a couple business degrees and running a nonprofit in a city for which I love was just something that made sense. So again, when given the opportunity, I thought, oh, well, this seems like a good idea. Let's move forward with this. So I'm very happy to still be here eight years later and still talking about how to make Louisville a better place. Well, yeah. good deal. Very cool. So you had a had a deal, or you should say you had a very big involvement with the preservation of Whiskey Row. Now, before we get into that, give our listeners an idea of what is Whiskey Row in Louisville and some of the, the history that's behind it as well. Sure. One of the most awesome statistics that I think us as Louisvillians have is that we have the second largest amount of iron facade buildings in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Soho in New York City is number one and we're number two. So it is this magnificent row of wonderful iron facade buildings. Most people know of Whiskey Row kind of proper as between the Second Street Bridge and then that next block east. What is interesting is that in that history of that block, there were over 200 distilleries over its beginning of its history that came in and out of that area, peppered in with, again, all along Main Street, several agricultural firms and things of that nature. So if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Our history is built on the things that were important to us, which was bourbon and agriculture. (laughs) We like our horses and we like our bourbon. And that's exactly what was happening on that main street. So not much has changed really, right? We just (laughs) just grow corn to to drink. Who cares about eating? (laughs) Right. It goes together. It's been, it, it was a very interesting chain of events and not one that I probably could have planned if I tried. Um, but learning about the history of Whiskey Row and learning about people's connections locally to that. You know, people here have grown up being around these buildings. They have older generation of folks have wild stories about what went on at the Mercury Paul or some of these other buildings. Me not being totally from here, again, I had to learn a lot of that. I didn't understand people's connection, but when it was threatened and when that block was in a place where it could have been in danger of not being there anymore, people really rallied behind it. And I think I was very lucky to have the opportunity to be the voice for that and be the voice and face of preservation at that moment while starting Preservation Louisville. So I was the one who started the landmarks petition in order to landmark all nine of those buildings. Um, I was through, of course, this organization able to intervene in a federal court case in order, which, again, I was not suing anyone. <laughs> I just want to say because I'm not an attorney. Um, but we were able as a nonprofit to intervene on behalf of the community and say there must be a, a voice 
for us here in this asset that is really an asset for us all. So did you just stick your hand up and say, oh, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll take this on as a project. How, how did you get so involved with it? <laughs> That's also a good question because in my right mind, no one should ever do that. Yeah. Um, this was definitely years of what I would call a very taxing project. And it was day in, day out. There was actually, you know, I tell people this not to get sympathy, but it was the truth of the matter. For the first time in my life, I had actual haters. There was a gentleman who wrote a daily blog about being upset with the work that I was trying to do to save those buildings. So for the first time, I had to learn how to deal with that, how to work within a community to try and highlight an asset. And for the first time, I was also, and again, I was very green because I was brand new, um, but there is an administration here and we have to work within Metro. There's laws and procedures and I was learning all of this. So I probably would have elected to do this, but at the time there was no nonprofit advocate to stand up for the community. And so it was like day one when I said, I will be Preservation Louisville. <laughs> People were like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, Preservation Louisville, guess what? Here's a big problem. And they put it right in my lap. So it was needed for the community. And like I say, that one act... I think has spawned so much, so many other wonderful things, um, not just in awareness about preservation and our historic architecture here locally, but for awareness about my organization, awareness of what the assets of these economic drivers like bourbon can be for us as a community. It's just really spawned a lot of great things. So I'm quite proud of being involved, even though I didn't necessarily <laughs> elect myself to be involved. Right. You know, I like say the community was looking for a, a organization to be that voice and we were happy to step into that role. So let's try to try to see if we can dig into some of the, the history of Whiskey Row. Can you recall maybe any of the, you said there was almost over 200 distillers over the, the period of time that Whiskey Row really was there. Can you recall like any of the, the names that, that might, might have been there that maybe still exist today or maybe have gone off the wayside? Because I know a lot of them have probably just disappeared because whatever somebody's last name is, that, that brand only lasts for so long. Sure, sure. And I think one of the biggest is JTS Brown. Okay. You know, especially people in this town, they're going to hear that Brown name and they're like, oh, we know that Mm -hmm. Uh, because truthfully, we we do. The Brown family in whatever iteration they've they've come out with, they've helped build this town. That's why their name is on things like the JTS Brown building on Whiskey Row or the Brown Theater on Broadway. They are a huge, not only a corporate entity now in Brown Foreman that is a great corporate partner to this community, but also a great family that for generations has really focused their energies on loving Louisville and making sure that we can be the best community we can be. So it's been a wonderful experience, like I said, kind of learning about these other entities that have been there. It's great to see that now the Browns are coming back because Brown Foreman is reinvesting. And it was something that really warmed my heart to see that the new Old Forester 1870 brand was going to be what they went with in their new Whiskey Row project, because that does speak to their early heritage, that the 1870 brand is their kind of stepping out into wanting to talk about what they did on that block during that time. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they would not only financially make that investment, I think speaks volumes to their commitment to our community, but on top of that, that they would take the time to want to think about that history. And again, not just distill whatever there, they're going to have a visitor experience and they're going to be talking about their history in that block. So 
again, just kind of makes me super excited to wait for those doors to open and get to sample some 1870. Yeah, I mean, yeah. all these companies are sitting there. And it's honestly what I love about it is it's almost like the new bourbon trail, right? Because the bourbon trail itself, it's 200 plus miles. You're driving. You right. can hit maybe three in a day. But as they start... I guess you could say condensing and, and, and making open these little small batch places. It gives people an opportunity to go and visit a multitude of places all within a few city blocks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe what we can expect me a little more coming out of Whiskey Row, maybe as we go. Because at this point, you know, when you drive by it, you have the facade in the front. So I guess maybe explain that too, that the, the actual building, uh, because we, I, I think is, is the only restored part, the facade in the front, because I know like everything behind it, like I've seen like a parking lot behind one of them, right? So I guess how does that all work? Also a good question. And you have, there's, there's a couple different things at play here when we're just talking about geographically where we're at. So there is the entirety of the block that goes from the Second Street Bridge to First Street, and there were nine buildings that are the mo the nine most easternly buildings that uh, my organization was able to get landmarked and work to save. Now, there was one building on the very end that was already gone before I even started mm -hmm. this organization. So can't save a building that's gone. Right. And the whole adage like yeah. you know what you got till it's gone. Very true. <laughs> and I can also not help you once that asset is gone. Um, now, like I say, the other nine buildings, that's where we could get some work done. So the first two, unfortunately, were in very bad condition. And structurally, the buildings, like say, kind of the body of the building was not able to be saved. It was a possibility to save the facades and actually brace those facades and keep them there so that future development can happen because maybe in the future me, we might want to put a building on that corner lot where nothing exists now. Mm -hmm. And then maybe behind those two facades, there could be something built in the future. Right now, as you said, it's a parking lot, but it won't always stay that. Seems like an easy way to, to be quick revenue, right? So. Right, right. So, I mean, for right now, it's what's happening. Um, but like I say, it's, that's now going to be a prime location for new development because you have an empty lot for infill. And then of course, like I say, basically two other lots next to it that can be built behind the facades. And there is new development in a hotel across the street. It's going to be a great opportunity and a great location. The other seven buildings, they're being rehabbed. And that's where you're going to see things like this new Brown Foreman experience come into play. And there's already other people that are trying to get you know, office space in those buildings and all types of things, even retail. So I think we'll see a, a, a mixed use come out of all of those buildings. There were two buildings that are right next to the actual Second Street bid, Bridge that were not endangered like the others. And that was because there were owners and some of them actually family of the people that built those buildings that were interested in saving them. And that's why you see now Whiskey Row Lofts in the building directly next to the bridge. Yeah, those are awesome. They and they own the building that's Doc, that Doc Crows is in now too. So it's been a wonderful experience. Because like I say, so it wasn't as if the entire building was in danger, right. the entire block. But it, it has been a, a cycle and lots of people working to be a part of it. When you extend out past that, you can really see where this ripple effect has taken taken on because you will see Angel's Envy across from Slugger Field now. You know, that's not technically on that one block that I worked on, but it is, in my opinion, it's a trickle effect of why that's there now. Right. Mickner's, like you talked about, the Fort Nelson building had many, many issues and needed to be restored 
It's a wonderful corner building and a big part of the streetscape on Main Street. Again, technically not on what I refer to as Whiskey Row, but still on that Main Street. And having Mickners come in is going to be wonderful. Evan Williams, which is very near there, another great experience and another great bourbon brand. Again, kind of really adhering to this. We know what our assets are. We know what we're good at. We need to put them forward so that when people are coming here and they are visiting our wonderful town, they're getting that experience. So I heard that it was the new thing to go to the Urban Bourbon Trail. And I said, what's funny is that that is not a new idea. No, been around for a little bit. This this was the Urban Bourbon Trail initially. That's why it was built. (laughs) (laughs) So again, those ideas, it's not like we really have a lot of new ideas anymore, but kind of going back and looking back at your history History and appreciating it can be a profit to your future. It can be that leader that helps you evolve quickly and efficiently. And now I'm seeing that, again, eight years ago, when there were a lot of places that were abandoned, that were run down and derelict and needed investment. Now that investment is happening in all areas, like I say, kind of the entire span of Main Street. So I'm thrilled. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase. And go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today, shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. So to kind of even go back with the history part again, I'm, I know I'm scatterbrained with this, but why did, why did Whiskey Row, I guess, die off to begin with? Do you have any kind of idea? I mean, was it, was it prohibition that just kind of just put the, the X on everybody? What was the kind of decline and why all these buildings started just falling apart? Good question. And I think there's lots of answers to that because obviously it's a very long history that Whiskey Rose had. So going back to the very early parts, you may have seen a decline in Prohibition. I don't know that for certain because obviously I wasn't here. Very happy to have been born post-Prohibition. <laughs> yeah. um, but I will say of the most recent decline that you know people that are alive now may have heard of from their parents or the older generation, You know, it was kind of in its heyday in the 70s you know, the 70s and the early 80s. 
Then there was a decline. I think there was lots of decline being seen all across the country around that time period. And what we saw most recently was a local developer trying to amass several of those buildings, the nine that I've continued to speak about, together. And in doing so, I think, in my personal opinion, he bit off a little more than he could chew. Um, the build, they're big buildings. Okay, mm-hmm. so that would be a very big development. And when he brought all those parcels together and bought them from several different entities to try and make one large development project, which would have called for the demolition of the buildings, that's where I think we got into a, well, the nicest way I can say it is a difference in opinion there you go. Yeah. over the smart growth and, and the sustainable development that I was hoping to see on the block. So at the end of the day, I've always tried to say, you know, that was a really big task. And I don't know that he should have tried to take that on because that would have been real hard. Now what we're seeing is a group working on it. You know, a development group that is coming together, several entities that are trying to make this happen, which is why I think it's going to be more successful. But in the end of the day, it, it was, it came into decline because I think we were seeing a decline in right. general, not just in that one space, but you had lots of owners who were, again, having a hard time with maintenance, they saw a way to get out and a developer saw a way of trying to get a bunch of property at once. And I just don't know that that was the best business plan. So that's what took us, I think, to this real crossroads of what are we going to do as a city? Are we going to stand up for our history? Are we going to save literally the most historic block in this city, which is our main street? Or are we going to let it become rubble and landfill? And at the end of the day, thank God, (laughs) <laughs> the the citizens in this city stood up and said, no, 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 no. That is our history. We deserve it being there. And we deserve to keep that statistic as having the second largest amount of these type of buildings. So unfortunately, that gentleman took his business and moved to Houston and run some car dealerships. But I'd welcome him back with open arms if he wants to build something behind those two facades. He <laughs> yeah, maybe a, maybe a bigger parking garage, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's always the facades there. <laughs> right? We, we saved part of it. So. Good. So I guess there's there's also one unique thing that, that I've always enjoyed, especially if you if you get a chance to come downtown and you just get to walk and you get to look at it. Uh, look at your feet when you're walking because whether you're walking on Main Street or you're walking behind the buildings next to the Yum Center in that little alley where, where, where Troll Pub is – if you look down, there's these little tiles. Uh, kind of talk about what these tiles are if, if you if you kind of have any kind of interest or know anything about them. Well, I definitely thought they were pretty interesting. And, you know, as I've had a lot of years now working on that block, walking around the block, um, dealing with talking about the block, a lot of people are interested. Where'd those tiles come from? And if you think about it, Louisville was also kind of a leader in, in that type of, of trade and work, too, with Louisville Stoneware and Hadley Pottery it was a way for us to denote something significant. So it's interesting. And I've loved seeing all the little names that you, you could come across in the tiles. I and mean, you're right. If you don't look down, you would never know. And I didn't know they were there. Yeah. So, to look yeah, yeah, Sometimes so they're covered up. And I've been know? there millions yeah, of times. If you, if you go and you look and you look down at these tiles, they're all the tiles with the names of the old distilleries that used to inhabit that building. So you'll see some familiar names. You know, you'll see Brown. You'll see some other ones. Uh, but yeah, most of them you'll be like, I, I've never even heard of that before. Like if you, if you found one of those with a tax stamp, I don't know how much it'd be worth. But, you know, that's, it's one of the really sure. cool, unique things that you can see just walking through the sidewalks and seeing it to inside me, the city. It's almost like the, 
the like walk of fame that you see with the stars yeah. you know, in Hollywood, Hollywood yeah. or at least for me, I was like, it's like the bourbon hall of fame. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was very excited. And I think we should have more tiles like that. And in the future we should keep adding. I don't, I wish I would know who started that. And maybe if they had like a meter or a system as to like, if you had to be around a certain amount of time, yeah, this many your golden anniversary or whatever <laughs> yeah. on the block. Cause certainly it's not X thousands of barrels at that point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So at this point, what's really being done to, to help preserve it at this point? I mean, is your is your mission done, like, you know, hands in the air, like we did it, team? <laughs> or is it is it a continually ongoing process? I think preservation in general is always an ongoing process because every single day, everything is getting older. I'm getting older. You're getting older. This recording equipment is getting older. This <laughs> building that we're sitting in is getting older. So uh, my job will never be done. But I can say that I have had, like, a fist-pumping moment when I felt like was this in the court? Like after the after the judge like slams his th- slams his hammer, gavel go. Yeah, you know the. I think that that real fist pumping moment was when I started to see the crews come and and begin the work on Whiskey Row to know because again because this is my day to day. I did know maybe before the public that there were projects being talked about, that there was a development group now that was trying to come together to all help each other to realize some goals. Of course, hearing about Brown Foreman in 1870 going to inhabit some of those buildings now. So you're starting to hear about these changes. And again, I think that that's all well and good. And I can keep going on just the thought and hope of things happening for a good long time. But actually seeing it, when you see the tangible work start to happen, that's when I think for me, it's, it's real. So people have been asking me for years, especially, you know, closer to when the court case was happening or our landmarking battle happened. It was great to get those buildings landmarked. When I, when I heard that ruling come down from the Metro Landmarks Commission, I did feel accomplished. When Judge Hayburn, which bless his heart, and I miss that man, he was one of the best judges, and it's really sad that he just passed, but you know, being able, because I'd never been to court before, any kind of court, <laughs> not even traffic court. So going to federal court. Uh, guilty here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing, like I'd never even done that. So I didn't know where the courthouse was. And the federal courthouse is very fancy. And it is not where you pay your traffic ticket. Totally different place. Um, they make it They make it nice and easy for you to discern where you actually need to go. Because yeah. you're not going to know, like, no, you're like 10 blocks away. So. Right. The federal courthouse is really near here where we are right now. And I thought, okay. Getting to be under Judge Haburn and hearing him rule on this case, he was so logical. And he said to talk about our history and to plan thoughtfully about its future. He was like, that's just a like a dull moment. Of course we need to do that. So he sort of shooed us out the door. Like, why are you even in my, at my <laughs> table? You need to go figure this out. And luckily we did. Um, unfortunately, it took that developer stepping out, but... If that is what allowed us to get to the place to find the right developers, then that was my goal. And the whole time I've said, I'm not going to feel happy like I'm done, quote unquote, on Whiskey Row until there are businesses there, till there are people there. And that effect has started. You see Doc Crows. You see Whiskey Row Lofts. You know, there there is things. O'Shea's. Can't, can't forget O'Shea's. We've, yeah. we've had and plenty of. all of them. We, we, run, we run out that second floor quite often to host parties and all that sort of stuff, Troll too. Club. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm down. Like I say, I am there to patronize every single one of those places multiple times. So 
I will be happy when that entire block is is filled with. When like you get I that say, first sip juice. of Old Forester, eighteen seventy. That's when I may take a breath. Like I think we're okay. We made it. We 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 definitely made it to this point. But we're what I've said all along is I'm just one blip in the scale. You know, there's I'm hoping that everything I do and if I can inspire to preserve our historic architecture, if I can inspire new development to stand up to the historic architecture that we have, you know, there's a beautiful city around us. When new development comes in, like the Omni Hotel project, and they want to do an infill project, they need to look at Whiskey Row, and they need to be giving us buildings that look that good or better. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to inspire, is to make that happen. That way, in 100 years, when, you know, hopefully there's a someone here doing my job, because I'll be long gone, you know, they'll want to preserve those things too and be standing up and saying the same things that I am today. So there's actually a, a bourbon that came out and it's called Whiskey Row, but it's not actually made on Whiskey Row. It's actually yeah, made. That's shady. In, it's kind of made. It's actually made in Crestwood, Kentucky. But you have a I'm story. Gonna, I'm gonna change that. Yeah, we have a story behind it. So tell tell all the listeners about your story. I was. Uh, we had talked a bit earlier about the fact that I do get hit up for bourbon as as presents, whether I'm bringing like a housewarming gift or a birthday present to a friend or a relative, and. I was going to do that just recently, and when I said, okay, well, what, what shall I bring? Well, bourbon, of course. I gotcha. And uh, I was looking for a bourbon that would be, you know, semi-good, not, maybe not top, top shelf, but, you know, mid-range to top shelf. And so I was looking at the liquor store at all the great bottles, and a lot of my go-tos are going to be like Woodford Double Oaked, which is one of my faves. You know, I'm, so I'm looking at that area, and then all of a sudden I see Whiskey Row. And I just stopped as if I had been, like, hit by a Mack truck. <laughs> I was 100% stunned. And this lovely employee, this wonderful lady who worked at the liquor store by my house, was just looking at me like, what is wrong with this girl? <laughs> Why is she having a moment? I just need to get to my register. But yet I literally was having a full-on emotional moment because I thought back to myself, this is almost eight years to the day that I started Preservation Louisville. And when I started this organization, I was told that those buildings were going to be demolished. And I worked tirelessly. I had lots of opposition and I almost didn't think we were going to make it. And now, eight years later, I'm standing in the middle of my local liquor store, and there's a bottle of bourbon that dons the name Whiskey Row. And I just thought, well, look at where we've come. At one point, no one even used the word or the term. And if they did, it was in a bad and negative way. And now here we are, and there are tons of magazines, different blogs, people that want to talk about the food revolution in Louisville and the liquor and bourbon revolution in Louisville and they're all mentioning the cool hit place to be is Whiskey Row and I thought well I'm so glad people finally clued in so I literally I had a tear. I mean, I've been on this thing forever. <laughs> That's what I'm saying like I've been on this for a while now so just to see that bottle of bourbon was a real benchmark for me or at least it, it hit me like a ton of bricks and, and I even shed a tear. I hate to say that in, in public but I had a moment and 
Funny enough, I will say this. I look at the lady because I feel like now I need to explain to her why I'm having a moment in the middle of the aisle. Crying over a bottle of whiskey. She's like, whoa. <laughs> she, she must have it brings she's back really, memories. Very, very fond memories. Yeah. She's like, man, she really needs this, right? You know, I'm looking at the beautiful bottle and I say it, it dawns a historic picture of the historic block. And I said, do you know this block on Main Street that this bourbon's named for? It's called Whiskey Row. And she said, oh, no, I don't. And I said, oh, well, it's one of the most historic blocks in the city. And and my nonprofit that I started helped to save that block. And I'm just really touched to see this bottle of bourbon. (laughs) Swear to God, she looks at me and she was like, yeah, I don't drink. (laughs) I was like, okay. Okay, so you know I maybe nice, nice talking to you, but so no she thanks. Didn't relish in the moment with you. <laughs> there was no relishing whatsoever. She pretty much locked up the case and walked back to the register. And I thought, how funny is it to have? I mean, maybe it's a good thing to have someone that has a liquor store employee that doesn't drink. True, but um, she wasn't down with that. We don't have any bias at that point, right? <laughs> well, a bit of she wasn't either of it, but you know, I, I took four bottles home with me that day, and I am even though again, like you said, it's made in Crestwood. Just the fact that there are now business entities that feel like they can lucratively make money off of that name makes me feel proud because I've been saying all along that our historic infrastructure is by far one of our biggest economic drivers if we just let it be. Yep. And now some people are starting to do that. So Well, congratulations. I mean, I mean yeah. right. maybe you should be the next Kevin O'Leary and you just go down there and you say, like, I'm going to need, like, a royalty for, like, every dollar <laughs> yeah. for every bottle that gets sold. They call me Mrs. Wonderful. Yeah, there you go. In, in perfect. perpetuity. perpetuity. <laughs> in perpetuity. Great word. So that's into the top of our show here. So, Marianne, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Really through any of our social media channels. We are, of course, on Facebook and Twitter. We love our Instagram. And it's because we have so many beautiful buildings here that basically every day we're featuring another historic building. So if you're on any of those social media channels, hop on by, say hello. What's your Instagram profile right Preservation Lou. Okay. Um, and you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, Preservation Lou, Preservation Louisville. And we also have our website, preservationlevel.org, where all of our information is. So. Well, awesome. Well, Marianne, thank you again for being a guest on the show. This was awesome to hear yeah, everything. Thanks right? for saving the, the whiskey row. Yeah. yeah. Let's go ahead and drink now. Sounds yeah, great. So if you like what you hear, make sure you follow us on iTunes. Or actually, subscribe to us on iTunes uh, at Bourbon Pursuit. We can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bourbon Pursuit as well. Yep. And any uh, feedback or suggestions for us, uh, we're keeping this thing rolling and want to keep you guys happy so let us know how we're doing uh, and we'll see you next time thanks mm-hmm.